So today I want to talk about M. Night Shyamalan. Oh, that's a heartbreaker. And here we go. Two guys lose the plot. So we went to go see Cabin in the Woods. I, d- I don't recall seeing that film. I recall seeing a film called A Knock at the Cabin. I mean, you know what I mean. He, uh, no, I don't Kevin, know what you mean. <laughs> Kevin in the Woods was, which one, that was, which one was that? Isn't uh, that the one with, uh, isn't Sigourney Weaver comes in at the end yes, or something? Yeah, like they're all like those, those, those monsters from all over the world. And, and it's then, kind of like a reality test subject kind of, they'll be monitoring them all along. With totally something. different movie than what we're talking about today. Well, they were equally shit. Yes. Hey, I actually liked that. I thought it wasn't bad. Yeah, it wasn't bad. I just, you, I just wanted a segue, which you've now ruined, and now you're going to have to make me work for my supper. Well, I'm sorry, but before we get into that, this was an M. Night Shyamalan film, and he used to be touted as the, the king of the twist. What happened? I think there was only one proper twist that he ever had, <laughs> and then subsequently everyone thought, oh, you come, oh no, and then I'll be 10 movies on or whatever it may be, and the, the twists have just been twistless, if no, that's a word. No, but what was your, your first movie you saw of his, obviously, was... The Sixth Sense. Sixth Sense. I, I saw that on VHS. Did you see that at the movies? I don't think I did, no. I also think I watched it on the, the video m- recorder machine. Right, and the next one, Unbreakable, I also saw on VHS. Where did you see that? I saw that in the movies in Uppington. Who were you with in Uppington? I was visiting my, my dearest oldest friend, Angus, who was a, a game ranger in, in the, at Akrabi's Falls, which is like in the middle of nowhere. So it was a, it's like a two-hour drive into town, so it was like a Saturday treat. You Ooh. went, you went <laughs> in, Lucky. got your groceries, caught a movie, and I had a few beers at the, at the dross, and then uh, that was the day. Lucky you. Yeah. And did you wear your Sunday finest? I or? always put on my best, my bow tie, my britches. Were you, you taken know. for a steak dinner afterwards? You know, walking the shop fronts, uh, whistling at the girls and who curtsied. What an age we live in. It was I, a beautiful time for him. That was life. a good movie too. I didn't have a problem with that. The no, movie that, that we saw together with him, the first one was uh, The Village. Yes. And you always bring this up. Is I, I figured it out in the credits, in the beginning. I never would have put that together because yeah. the gravestones. Yeah, that's um, and it's not spoiling anything, but as they started and panning over the gravestones, I remember I leaned over to you and say, there's no dates on the gravestones. They're in the present. <laughs> you ruined everything. Fuck you. <laughs> I just wanted to see it. And the next one, which everyone hated, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills here, is the happening. That we no, saw that was shit. That, that was, give me a second to, to make my case. shut the bed on no, that one. No, give me a second to make my case. I thought that was a smart movie. It was a good idea. It wasn't a smart movie. And that's where it comes back full circle because you leave an M. Night Shyamalan movie saying, man, that was a great idea, but the execution was just terrible. Is that what his problem is? Do you say Shyamalan or Shyamalan? I don't know. Which one is it? I don't know. Because in my head, I've been saying Shyamalan all these years. (laughs) M. Night Shyamalan. (laughs) Shaman. You need to look into how we say it properly. I'll give him a call after the show. Yes, your usual Sunday tennis. Speaking of shows, we haven't done this in quite a while. I blame you. Well, it's... You've been living in that modern suburban nightmare. I, I do feel my... I brain. come over the other day and uh, you're barbecuing with your children playing in the pool and, uh, don't hey, for, can I get you a beer? Don't, for, don't forget I was shirtless. Oh, shit, shit. No Whatever. shoes. Next, you just need your Oakley sunglasses and, 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 and then you need to tell me about, that's going to be a tough week. Ah, you know, it's a hot one today. It's a hot one today. And, and, and then you're busy with your garden and all the things. What has happened to you, man? Please. What happened to this guy who everyone thought was such a promising filmmaker and he just seems to be making dud after dud? Although, you liked Lady in the Water. When was that? I, I did. I found that quite charming. That was somewhere in between. I think it might have been before The Happening. Yes. Because I saw that in Menlin. Paul Giamatti was in that. Yeah. I thought that was quite... It had, it had a certain 
whimsical fairy taleness to it. But you know, again, it, it dragged on a bit long, and you know. But again, it, that's the thing when you have that success, that first one, everyone's expecting you know success after success. And we've discussed this many times. His ideas are interesting, and they might work very well in a, as a short story or in print. But as soon as it's executed onto film, you know, it just drags on, and you're kind of almost trying to presuppose where it's going to come or what's what's the twist going to be, and it just never lives up to it. You also have to ask yourself the question: Who keeps throwing money at these films? That they go, he's going to get it in the next one, guys. I, I know this guy, guys. We're eight movies in. I don't know. I'm not. Maybe sure. Maybe we backed the wrong horse. I think he's uh, he's, he's self financing a lot of them. You know, I think he cuts a lot of costs by putting himself in such pivotal roles <laughs> in each film. He's only in tiny, <laughs> tiny roles in the movie. I mean, do you know how much it must have cost to get Mel Gibson in for Signs, which I thought was a great movie. I liked it up until the end. What's the problem with the end? Just that swing away. Hey, man, it's all connected. It's yeah, all connected. It just, just look at it again. He he knows how to use a camera. He knows how to set a shot up. He knows how to build suspense. Can you open the door, please? Your family must choose to willingly sacrifice one of the three of you to prevent the apocalypse. We're not sacrificing anyone. For every no you give us, hundreds of thousands of people are going to die. Will you make a choice? You have to somehow trust us. We're normal people just like you. It doesn't matter. None of us believe you. We will never choose anyone. We're going to rate it up front. What do you think? Uh, let's give it out of 10. How many would you give it? Three. You're, you're, you're a wicked man. Well, what did you give it? I'd, I'd, I'd at least give it a five. Were we even watching the same movie? It was, it, it, it's not like it was constructed badly. It was just boring. I get it. But I don't go to the movies. I don't know about you. But I don't know anyone who goes to the movies to sit through a well-crafted film and then walks out and says, well, it was shot nicely. But it was a bit boring. The whole thing has to be good. I find the positive in this. How much is he paying you? He's paying me, you know, he's just... A little he's, got, under the he's, he's actually got one of my children oh, and a yes, chunk of, of his car. Maybe you know. that'll make a plot for a better movie because this one was absolutely terrible. What is this about? This is called A Knock at the Cabin, not A Cabin in the Woods. Mm. And um, there's like a couple and they're vacationing in, in like this cabin in the woods and it's their, their time to spend with their daughter. And then suddenly these people arrive at their door and they knock on the door. Hence the knock at the cabin. See what I did there? Oh, yeah. Brought it back. Yeah. And um, they're there to convince them that they are here to save the world. And the only way for them to save the world is for this family unit, which is conv- consists of two dads and an adopted child. Um, they have to sacrifice one of them. And if they don't, subsequently these invaders, which are four seemingly strangers to each other, who all had the same dream and premonitions of, you know, it's kind of almost like biblical where they, you know, where they say like oceans will, will, will boil and things will fall from the sky and, you know, all these, these, these things. And then one by one, they start killing each other in sequence if these people refuse to sacrifice. And then it comes to the end and... It's no real twist at all, really. It's just, okay. Maybe the twist was that we were forced to sit through it thinking that he'd give us something juicy at the end, which he didn't. But when I watched the trailer for this, I thought, my, this is very sinister. I can't wait to see what actually unfolds. And then I sit there and I go, and now? It's, it's a slow burn. It reminds me of uh, in Jordan Peele's latest one, Nope, is kind of the same, where there's this slow burn and you, you, what's going to happen is what's going to happen. And at least his paid off, whereas this one doesn't pay off and you only by the end of the movie realize you've wasted your time or well 
we felt like we wasted our time. No, you wasted my time. I mean, who knows what I could have been doing then? Washing my hair. Maybe. Changing my goldfish tank. Folding some clothes. You felt like me, come on. You almost think of better ways that he could have done things while you're busy watching the movie. And that's a mark of something very bad. I agree. And we said this even during the film because it was just us and some other gentleman eating a lot of popcorn. I think he went back through, through about two boxes behind us. I do but, remember that. But um, the thing that is that he had some interesting concepts, but he doesn't elaborate on them. He doesn't explain them any further. And it's kind of like, well, then why say it in the first place? And that's what, what, what my gripe was with the happening. It was all this cool ideas, but in execution and in exploration, it just fell flat. What grabbed me about the happening was just that sheer terror of, I thought it was brilliant. People are just killing themselves. What does it all mean? But uh, that's not story. The- that was the first 10 minutes. Okay, and but- then it just, it was Mark Wahlberg running from the wind for, for an hour and 20 minutes. It just, in, in him just squinting into the, the wind, it's, it's in the wind. The one thing that I've liked in his movies sometimes is he'll do this a lot. He'll, there'll be the main narrative and he often does this, it'll be a cut to a TV screen or a found footage or we just got this in and there's a new station or whatever. And I find that very effective. He did that so well in, um, in Signs. You know, it was quite, quite shocking in that part. And then in the happening where they show footage of uh, the guy walking into a lion's cage at a zoo and people yeah, and are filming he it. He puts his hand yes. out and eats him. I love, I love things like that. And even old. Remember, I mean, Old was the one I saw most recently before this one. And again, some great concepts and some great ideas, but just it just kind of, you know, it just leaves you kind of unfulfilled as to exploring the world or the reasoning behind it a little bit more. I don't know if he intentionally wants to leave things mysterious, but I don't think it works. Speaking of Old, do you know that I went to see that alone on crutches? That's how much of a shit friend you are. That's why you went to go see it alone, because I'm not going to be seen with a cripple. Tell me about the village in more detail. What did you like about that? The pacing. Again, it had that slow burn and had that feeling about, and, you know, something was going to happen. We didn't know what it was, and it was building, it was building, and it was that constant movement in the forest and those, you know, he knows how to line up a shot. Unbreakable is, what, your second favorite of his? I'd say so. Okay, well, the happening's going to be my favorite. I didn't really care for the sixth tense. Look, maybe also part of the uh, the problem with um, knocking the cabin in no- knocking boots in the cabin, was knocking that? boots in the cabin. I, yeah. I thought that was it. Is that apart from Dave Batista and and uh, Harry Potter? It wasn't Harry Potter. I was, I'm pretty it was sure. Ron Weasley. Is that any relation to um, Pam Weasley from The Office? <laughs> no, it's not. But they do kind of have similar hair. I'm just saying, Rupert Grint was the only guy you're right. Aside from Batista, would looked out of place. Again, you know, he was, his character was a high school gym teacher, but he was just like, again, unfortunately, he wants to be taken as a serious actor and he's, he's made that known, but I just feel his physical appearance <laughs> puts a lot off. I mean, it's, it's, it's how do you explain someone who's just so massively muscular and full of tattoos all the time? He looks like he's always about to burst and he's yes. trying so hard to just keep it together yes. and, and have a conversation with someone. Yes, it's but, almost uh, like he's, he's, he's straining not to have like a, an aneurysm or a seizure. I mean, he was very... <laughs> He was like very veined and, 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 and bloated. And, and bursting out of that shirt. Yeah. And that's why he works as Drax, because they got purple paint on him. And he's that very, you know, he's that stoic kind of, you know, deadpan delivery and everything. I don't know if he's got range. I liked him in Glass Onion. I haven't seen that yet. I'll have to God take a look. Hell. Is it good? You know, I'm a sucker for a good whodunit murder mystery. Yes, you are. And a southern and, accent. And uh, yeah, no, it was good. I enjoyed it. So, I mean, apart from Dave Batista, I mean, there were, there were a couple of, I'd recognized one or two faces, but I wouldn't have been able to place it. 
the two uh, dads in it. One was played by by Jonathan Groff, and I had to look him up. And the only thing that I can recognize that he was from is he's the voice of Christoph in Frozen. I remember you had a crush on Christoph. I haven't seen Frozen. And then um, uh, Ben Aldrich was the was the other dad, Andrew, and he apparently played Thomas Wayne in Pennyworth. I I never really got into that. I never watched that. So you call yourself a Batman fan? No, yes, not a Pennyworth fan. Oh. You know what I didn't like about this film? I felt it was pointless. I felt that it was just, just went on and on. And I didn't like the characters, uh, any no. of them. I didn't like the villains, if you can no. call them villains, even though they thought they were doing the right thing. Again, with the characterization, he then maybe I missed something, but the whole uh, connection to Rupert Grint's character, which is the, the, like the, the, the redneck hick guy that attacks him in the bar and then, you know, that whole scenario, that's never really explained why. Look, the movie ends in that, Everything was true, yes. right? We, we know that. But what would have been interesting is if some of the things that the characters in the movie said was actually the plot device in that he was like, obviously, by some sheer nightmarish coincidence, all of these people united from a message board or from wherever, and they all conspired to come here and they were convinced or they were being controlled by someone's mind. It didn't, there's just too much in the ether that didn't connect and it was way too convenient that as soon as there's one sacrifice they were like well let's switch the tv on and immediately the next prediction was coming true you see (laughs) couldn't you have waited a little bit you know but it's like immediately they you know crack this guy's head open and switch on oh you see the the tsunami came we told you the oceans would rise up these people that were there to exact revenge or, or to deliver justice or whatever it also would have worked better if they were sympathetic characters, not that they looked like they were on meth bending. Yeah. You know, like, I'm, I'm, I've just done five lines. I'm here to skull. Yeah, they all looked very uh, like wired. Yeah, exactly. Like, you didn't understand, like, the weight of the, the and, job that they had to do didn't weigh heavily enough on them. And the fact that they all came in with these homemade medieval-style weapons that were never explained, almost like, well, you know, the premonition told us that uh, someone had to die, and they had to die by these very elaborate uh, spades on a pick handle with a chain attached to it. They never explained that in the fact that they also had to put these white hoods over their faces before. You know, it's almost like it was a ritual, as if, you know, they'd been kind of, you know, at one stage I almost thought it was similar to, um, what's that, Hush My Darlings movie where, you know, they'd heard like a podcast or something that was kind of programming, programming, Programming. Programming? Yeah, yeah that's, that's going to be my new word. Programming them to kind of follow some sort of a ritual that was manipulative or something like that. But like I said, there's so much there that it was like, okay, well, why this and why that? Made it a, uh, a hollow experience, like our friendship. And back to the show. The reason I'm being so hard on this film is because I've given him more than one chance. And I liked old. It was a bit of, uh, I preferred old to this. Did you prefer this to old? No, I think old, I liked the concept of old. It had me invested longer. For better or worse, I did like Split. That was more of a showcase of... um, James McAvoy. Than it was anything else. Beautifully shot, yes, great, but all of that does nothing. If we can call back to some earlier episodes where I said that you were stupid for saying that good special effects don't equal a good movie. And I... I concede that, but what? Well, let's let's just get this on recording. You concede? Let yes, just, obviously it's it's, it's got rewind it's got that. To be in service. It Look, it can't just be a, an explosion of you know metal and fireworks and all that kind of stuff. It's got to be in service of something. But in the same way, if you're not giving me one, you got to give me the other. And I didn't feel like I got either. No, the best part was um, M Night Shyamalan doing a infomercial. What was he peddling? Fried chicken. Yes, in an air fryer. 
I would have watched a whole movie of that rather than this. What is it that gives you five and gives me three? I just think that it was not a poor quality film. I'm, I'm going I'm to give him credit for constructing uh, you know, a quality film with good shots, good uh, camera work. Uh, some some interesting pacing, interesting concepts. I'm not gonna just you know it wasn't a it wasn't a piece of shit that was uh, absolutely unwatchable. It was just a unfulfilling piece of shit. If I'm getting out of my house, going into public, and I'm seeing something on the big screen, you got to have that down pat. I, I, you don't get kudos for for doing sound properly. I don't want to hear. Well, there was no boom in the shot, therefore this movie's great. No. That's when, the when that, did that's you the baseline. So bitter. I've always been bitter. That's the baseline. Okay, like arsenic in my tea. The, uh, this isn't a who was that guy? That very uh, hectic director who did uh, Dogville and uh, Steve La- Spielberg. No, Lars Lars von Trier. Okay, uh, Lars von Trier who did Melancholia, and it's like this. You watch this thing, and you're like, when is it going to end? But at least there's some interesting ideas behind this stuff. They're terrible to watch, but for me, this this was a waste of time and I could have been doing better things like watching paint dry. I'm sticking with my three. I'll upgrade it to a four. That's fine. Are you sticking uh, with your five? I'm going to stick with my five. Well, you do that then. Let's pull up his, uh, his little filmography here. Yes. What, what's he all done? Okay, so starting at the top, we've got The Sixth Sense. Um, then we've got Unbreakable, right. which, which still was a quality film. Signs, which I still think was probably his best three or his first three. Correct. Okay. The Village was probably was starting to kind of fall away. Lady in the Water, compared to the rest, yeah, you could see where it's starting to fall apart. Then the happening, that was shit. We disagree on that. Okay. The Last Airbender, I just didn't enjoy. Maybe it's because I don't have frame of reference with the anime or whatever, but I I just didn't enjoy it. I didn't get it. After Earth was just poor sci-fi and poor acting. What was The Visit? Now, The Visit was an interesting film. Not great, but interesting. Shot very raw. It was about this kid who goes to visit his grandparents. And after making them do all these weird things, he sends a video uh, clip to his mom. Mom, and then she says, those are not your grandparents. Yeah, I did enjoy that. was very interesting. I did uh, enjoy that. Do you see? Now, that's the kind of thing he should be doing. Mm. After that, we've got uh, Split. Split, which is what Look, it was. I, I enjoyed just seeing the different characters, and again, it was just purely a vehicle for James McAvoy just to chew the scenery and, and, and go crazy. Again, just the resolution at the end was a bit shit, and then Glass was just an excuse to try and tie it all together, that universe of, of Bruce Willis's character and James McAvoy's character and, and, and kind of you know superheroes and that stuff. And then came Old, which, again, good idea. I liked it. It just fell flat at the end. And then compared to the rest, Knock at the Cabin is probably one of the worst ones with the happening. Mm. No, I don't agree with that characterization. Yes, it is one of the worst, but the happening stands out. In fact, although this this is starting to get a bit a, a bit reminiscent. Do you remember my friend Reese? Friend, real friend. Yes, yes. Now we went to go see X Men: The Last Stand with him. You walked out of that film. He walked out of the film. Both of you said, "What a piece of shit." I said, "I loved it." He went to see the happening. You went to see the happening. I went to see the happening. I thought it was great. What did Reese say? What a piece of shit. The same as you. So why don't you and Reese become pals? And you can leave this sob fest or pity party that is mm, our friendship mm. and then just piss off. Maybe. It sounds it's a, maybe a nice house in the south of France. Those guys lose their blood. I saw something today as I went to the shop. Um, this is what happens when you venture outside the house. Bear with me. I park my car. 
And on my way back from... No doubt skewed. Yeah. Okay. Just outside the lines. <laughs> you know me well. I am a bad driver. But I see this guy pulling out of a, a parking space in a lowered Mercedes C-Class with massive rim tires and this exhaust. Like, like a the coffee can. Like the throat of Godzilla. This thing just roaring away. Now, everyone's looking at him because at one point I thought he was stuck, but he wasn't stuck. He's just revving. He was just revving, but that's not what was taking him so long. He wanted to spin the wheels. Oh, good Lord. And he couldn't get it right. So he, <laughs> he kept on doing it, mm -hmm. then turning his car off, then turning it on again so that he could do it right. There must have been 10 people staring at this guy going, what are we watching here? I bet you his car's got some sort of a safety anti-drift or, you know, traction control in place, which, which would prevent such a fine vehicle from doing something so stupid. I'm thinking of the guys at, uh, at the Mercedes-Benz headquarters in the drawing board, and they guess we are going to make an awesome car. Brilliant safety record, Dude, you reliability. You've got to do it with a German accent. I'm not even trying that. You do it. We're going to choose this. <laughs> Nine! <laughs> but can, it, but can, it, can they spin the wheels? Can this thing drift? Sir, I, that's not what we're doing here. No. I mean, it, this it's, is a luxury car. So it's, it's also a safety hazard. Yeah, for yeah. <laughs> but, but people were watching this guy. So he's, he's banked at like a, a, an angle. And until he gets it right, he won't move. I'm just yeah, sitting that's there. That's commitment. That is commitment. That's how you do it, but. Sticking to your guns. He was wearing sunglasses, obviously, and then arms out the window. <laughs> Hopefully in some sort of a tight cut shirt or vest. I think it was a tank top. But, oh. but, but I'm just saying, I've never understood that putting a loud exhaust on your car. It's just starved for attention. No, if it's a Ferrari or whatever, it comes by virtue of the fact that the car needs that kind of exhaust, I assume, I don't know anything about that, that it needs that kind of outlet, right? Mm -hmm. I've never understood taking your car, and it was a nice car, uh, taking it somewhere and then saying to the workshop, now here's what I want. I want you to make the wheels as big and unwieldy as possible and make them look like they don't fit on the car. Then I want you to drop the suspension on this car. Then I want you to take an exhaust that has no business being on this car. And I wanted to announce to everybody as I race down the street that I'm driving. Here I come. Explain it to me. And I'm not be, I know I'm getting crotchety and, and, and irritable lately, and, and I get that. And, and for the longest time, you do what you want to do as long as it doesn't affect me. But when people are literally being held hostage in the car park because this guy has to feel better because he didn't, I don't know, have friends in high school, so now he has to go around doing all of this, who says to themselves, my exhaust has to announce my entrance? Well, obviously that guy. You should have you know, made friends with him. Maybe he could have taught you one or two things. Like what? How to win friends and influence people? Yeah, and spin your wheels. I don't think I can do that in my car. I'm going to say, I think you should try because it's an automatic. You can't do it in an automatic car. <laughs> this reminds me, uh, you shouldn't uh, egg me on into doing things like that because do you remember the one day I came to you, <laughs> I got out the car and I said, listen, I just saw the coolest video. What do you think about me becoming a helicopter pilot? And you were horrified. You can barely drive, man. <laughs> you don't want to be in the air. <laughs> I think helicopters are very difficult to fly. Well, you're saying that I can't do that. Are you saying that I really I, put my mind to it? I wouldn't be able to do it. If I remember correctly, I don't think helicopters are from a scientific or, or, or what's it, aeronautical, I might be making up words here, but I don't think they're, you know, they're not, it's like one of those things where when you look at it, they're, well, how is that thing staying in the air? Which is why people look at me and they say, how is it that you're still allowed to drive? We marry the two and a perfect union is formed. I can see myself having to get you down from power lines no. with a pool net. <laughs> Would you? <laughs> <That's all. laughs> 
Hi, Lee. Yeah, where are you? I'm outside your house. Oh, I'm trapped I'm, in the lines. I'm outside. I'm kind of sort of in the lines. If you could just get me a ladder or something like that. I'll bring the pool scoop. Please, I've had another one of my incidents. Oh, that's the third helicopter this year. You wouldn't get into a helicopter with me? No, for you to be able to pilot a helicopter, you would have to go have gone through... Uh, extensive training. If you're asking if I'd get into a helicopter with you right now, <laughs> no. <laughs> what about an airplane fixed wing? Yeah, I think. That what does this button do? <laughs> <laughs> Nosedive. Well, look, it is something I've been thinking about quite a lot lately. Do you think it's better for me to maybe just stick to that hobby I had of the radio-controlled helicopters? Uh, I, think I was I, terrible at that as well. I, to remember, I, and, to remember. And, the model, and the model trains. I think you and, and, and transport as a whole. Um, anything that propels forward, I think we should. I think you should just give it a rest. You know, that's the problem with this friendship is that you. I'm holding you back. That's is that right. what you're saying. I'm putting. I'm putting you in reverse. Two guys lose the plot is written by Lee Herman and Stephen Lewis. Get more episodes on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. This was a Tall Tales production.